You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of Paint the Town Podcast, Season 4, Episode 130. What's up, bro? Dude, I'm, uh, I'm coming into 21 cautiously. <laughs> uh, I just remember how I was coming into 2020, you know, like, yeah, 2020, man. What's, what, what's your 2020 vision? 2020 is my year, man. Shit, everybody uh, was thinking well, about dude, that. You know, I had it set up and everything down at the... Um, you know, MRG, MRG Fine yeah. Art Gallery, you know, everything was firing on all pistons, had stuff set up and everything, and then COVID. Yeah, and, man. Dude, we're still not heading in the right direction. I know. Remember these motherfuckers at two weeks, dude? <laughs> it was supposed to be Christmas time. We were going to be off the, the, the stay-at-home orders, and, and yeah, but man. I mean, just, they can't help themselves, man. They really, really cannot help themselves. This is the first year I did nothing for New Year's, man. It, it, it was yeah. the first years, man. What time did you go to bed? I mean, I, I, w- I was in bed, but I didn't, uh, maybe like around 10, basically. But I stayed up until like, I don't know, 1230 <laughs> or something like that. Just because I was like doing random stuff on my phone. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but it was weird, man, because I was looking on my social media and I can see people just full on unapologetically partying <laughs> in their story. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, <clears throat> you realize that like right now there's no, regardless of whatever you believe, okay, that there's no hospital beds. If you get a DUI and get in a car crash on New Year's Eve, they can't take awesome. you to the hospital. You know, you know what I mean? Because no. Yeah, and that's what happened to a lot of, uh, you know, and for, just, just for the record, man, you know, are you going to take the vaccine, man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, my brother's already taken it. Um, you know, uh, uh, I have some cousins that's taken it, too. You know, people in the medical uh, field. And um, I don't know, man. I'm ready to get back to fucking normal. So, like, uh, um, you know. Well, but- instead of that happening in the summer now, it may not happen until the end of the fucking year. Um and, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people travel because, <clears throat> you know, maybe their their folks aren't, uh, you know, doing too well or whatever. Like, dude, you know, I, uh, you know, my dad's getting old, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll be around for another five, ten years or so. But, you know, I don't know if his mind's going to be there, you know. And I would have liked to have been there uh, with my kids, you know, for Christmas. That's kind of what we were planning on this year. Um, yeah, I mean, but, if you're a kid right now, that that this last year sucked. But hopefully, oh, you know, we're seeing the end, man. My kids and, are handling it like champs. They they really are. Um, you know, Linux was struggling there for a while, but they're both. Uh, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't like. I like not going to school now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess everybody takes like, different, uh, right? But get, I really. Get, get. <laughs> I really feel for the like the high school seniors, man, because it's like, dude, you don't ha- you don't get to have your prom, you don't get to have like grad night, which uh, if you're from LA, just means you go to Disneyland with your friends one night and take yeah. ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about if you fucking grew up in LA, man. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, shit, man. I don't know. I just feel bad for those kids because it's like you don't really get that back, man. It's not like you can like no. do over prom, like you know what I mean, and things like that. Uh, I mean. 
uh, you know, just like those type of high school memories, man. You got to sit in your last senior year, you know, your American Pie fucking moment, you know, right? <laughs> and then uh, you got to sit in front of the fucking computer, man. Like that would drive me fucking crazy, man. So, uh, but I don't know, man. You, you know, kids these days are different. You know, they love the social media. They love being on their phone. They don't want to drive, man. Um, but, uh, dude, man, you know, it is what it is, man. You got to roll. I mean, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have all the, the technology to, to continue the education for the kids and, and, you know, whatever. If this was, you know, God, what about uh, 20, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, they would have been able to do this. Yeah, yeah, you that's know? true. This that's remote true. learning and everything. What would we have done then? That would have been really fucked up. They would have so probably just. We're fortunate. Uh, yeah, we're fortunate right. for the video conferencing. We're fortunate to be able to have technology to help us at least give some kind of education to the kids. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast actually because one thing is for sure during the pandemic, man, we have blown it up for the podcast, man. I mean, shit, we used to do this like 15 episodes a year. Yeah. <laughs> whenever we had time, whenever you were around, you're always all over the place. Yeah, you're yeah, exactly. Right. I'm Mr. always traveling. Traveler hasn't been traveling so much lately, have you? Yeah, I haven't, man. I mean, that's kind of a relief, though. I tell you right now, I feel bad for all my, uh, uh, you know, music people, man. I mean, there's no gigs right now, you know, unless you're uh, in Taiwan or something like that or one of the countries. Or Florida. <laughs> or Texas. <laughs> that's I mean, true. On, dude, they, they don't Florida, give a fuck. I don't think they ever really did shut down at all. Yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, I mean, it's crazy, man. Like everybody, you just got to remember, everybody has their own comfort levels. I DJed a party in Vegas that was a uh, like a live stream thing showcase basically for uh, Green Room Radio Domo's podcast, <clears throat> and uh, it was fun because like it just felt like a little bit of normal. But you know, again, in my back of my mind, I was thinking like, dude, did I contract COVID? Because the average in incubation period is like six days, man. So it's like you really, um, yeah. One of my friends, six got, days. Yeah, yeah. That's my. Uh, that was like my three or four days. No, actually, my that's what my brother said. He said that. Uh, six days on average and then i had a friend who got covid who basically he basically saw his cousin um uh, on saturday and then he didn't see anybody else and then he uh you know got full-blown sick on the friday basically so wow. you know what i mean it's it's weird Jeez, man dude. so i don't know it's, not, it's almost over you know what i mean so let's just uh kind of hamper down you know what? To... now that the holidays are over you know i hope everyone can just put an extra effort into hunkering down because um you know, if everyone would just do it and just hunker down at one time, it really wouldn't take that long to, to take care of this. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, some countries have it handled, though, right? Like, there's no cases in New Zealand. There's no yeah. cases in Taiwan. I mean, if you go to Taiwan right now, which is crazy. People have self-control <clears throat> over there. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. Because people, like, right now, you have to quarantine if you go to Taiwan for two weeks. Um, and if you step out, they, they give you like a tracking thing. And if you step outside of the boundary, even for a second into the hallway, they'll find your ass like 3,500 US dollars or something like that too. Can you imagine how bad they would freak out over here if they tried to do something like that? Well, I mean, yeah, it's true. I You're infringing upon our constitutional rights. <laughs> I think oh it's San Francisco. Dude, they're like, my hair. holy cow. Man. That's, that's yeah, we need haircuts, man. Yeah. Shit, dude. I haven't gotten it cut since I was in Florida. I was in Florida in June. Um, you know, I had to go take care of some financial stuff with my dad. And um going to be going back here in a couple of weeks, actually. And probably be the next time I get a haircut. I have a friend of mine that cuts hair there. And, um, hey, yeah, you know. I just started cutting my own hair, man. Like, uh, I really majorly fucked up the first time. But, you know. <laughs> 
I fucked it up so bad that I, when things opened up and then like I can go to the actual like barber to cut my hair that he was like, oh, dude, it's really fucked up, man. Like, I don't know what I could do. So I had like a Lego head for a little while. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I just bought some clippers that I'm just like, you know, just slowly trimming it where I'm uncomfortable. If it's too much around my ears. Well, dude, you know who cut his own hair for decades? Who was that? George Clooney. No George shit. Clooney using a, uh, what's it called? A Furby? You know, those little no, 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 no. things. A Floby. A Floby. A Furby is like a Furby is like a fucking gremlin. What is a Furby? <laughs> a Furby is one of those gremlin things that basically, you know, one of those like talking animals. Remember? It's like uh it was like the hot toy of like, I don't know, nineteen ninety eight or something like that. You know, you don't remember? Yeah. Well, they're probably doing something else with that thing. But um it's it was like no, the baby the, Yoda the Floby, of its day, yeah, dude. dude. This is the this is the Furby. Oh yeah. yeah. Remember? The baby Yoda of its yeah. day. <laughs> But uh, um, so the Floby, that's what that's what George Clooney uses, dude. Dude, man, I heard their stock went up, man. Everybody good enough struggling. for him, good enough for you know whoever, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> well, shit, man. I see our uh, guests in the waiting room. I'm gonna. Um, are we? Uh, hey, by the way, are we actually recording right now? Yeah, yeah, we are. Just want to make sure, you know, because first, <laughs> first show the first show of the season. Maybe not firing on all pistons. <laughs> <laughs> I let her in, man. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. To the song that's playing on the radio. Welcome, Lady Millard. How you doing? Hello. Good. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you really well. Awesome. And we can hear you really well too. Perfect. Okay. Dude, I am so excited because <clears throat> first of all, this is uh, the beginning of season four. And it's, you know, when we started season three, I would say, you know, we had about like 30 episodes or something like that. Right. <laughs> and then like it's the, during the pandemic, we basically did a bunch of episodes and it's really just kind of like uh, blown it up. It kept us alive. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I know, I know we're the entertainment source for a lot of uh, artists and DJs and just people uh, who are fans of the show too, you know what I mean? So we want to keep it going. And uh, well, last season, one of the things that um, kind of came up in the conversation, uh, Mr. Shaq Smart, he's mentioned that, you know what, there are very, very few black female graffiti artists, basically. <laughs> and then I was just like, wow, this, he, this is f big facts right here, you know what I mean? So actually, you know, on Instagram, I just clicked on the hashtag black female graffiti artist. And, you know, I actually found Lady Millard. So I just wanted to bring her on the show and uh, basically tell her side of the tell her story. And uh, we kind of chatted a little bit before the show. And uh, she definitely has some interesting things going on. So uh, welcome again, lady. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for inviting me. I was excited to see that there was um, the, the conversation was going on. So um, yeah, my history has been long. I've been- um, We got time. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been in graffiti for about 20 years. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Where are you joining us from right now? Um, I'm from, I'm in New York. Wow. But I'm from Lower East Side, Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, graffiti is a major history uh, binder. You know, it's a 
it's a way that people can talk to each other without having to know each other. It's yeah, a way absolutely. to, you know, like, it's a secret path, basically. Yeah, I love that. I love how you describe that, because, you know, uh, one of the things I would say um, about this show is that we're connecting artists basically in the graffiti, in the mural, in the street art world, and also in the um, underground, you know, music world as well, too. So it's just so cool. We're also going to be expanding out to just, you know, accepting, you know, other guests as well that, you know, if they are not into um, the graffiti or street art, we're going to educate them and help them to kind of spread the word because that's what needs to be done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, tell me something. When you were, uh, when you were growing up, um, how did you first get into, uh, into art? I mean, were you an artist when you were young or yeah, was so it just I, writing or? So I went to this really amazing school that was um, in the neighborhood of Southside Jamaica, Queens on 116th Street. And at the corner, we had a dancing school that taught art. So from there, I like developed, you know, my uh, language for art. And I was always the best. So they always would promote me at the events. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What kind of mediums were you working with? Like uh, you start off with, with acrylics, um, spray paint. What did you start with? Um, anything that I was allowed to have, I would, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm so serious because there's not a, there's, there wasn't an art store in that area. So anything I was allowed to have, I would get it and use it. And at one point, um, I was taking up, so there's a big history of crack in that environment. And I was taking up crack vials and picking them up by color and then organizing them and making little pieces of artwork. Oh, man. Um, wow. And then I was taking the, the, um, the light fixtures that was the crackheads would use and bring them down. You know, those, the, if you are a crackhead, you, you would know, but I, I'm not a crackhead, so I don't Please know. educate us. Okay, so in, in that time in the 80s, in that time in the 80s, um, so those are the crack files, and they're all different colors. So I wouldn't use the clear part. I would use the top mm, and make little pieces of art from them. Amazing. And they, nice. would, they would drop from the sky. So I would, you know, pick them up as they drop. Oh, my gosh. What, you know, I'm sure it probably seemed like that. Good this is Lower East Side time. Manhattan in the 80s, basically, it right? Wasn't, it's, um, it's a story that people don't think is real. So I'm here to tell you I'm a first level expert at knowing that things were falling from the sky. And I was using it to create with. Um, I'm sure they're throwing them out their uh, balconies, right? No, um, from planes. What? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, this oh is a history God. that a lot of people don't know. Yeah, it was from planes, and people would crackheads would pick it up really fast, or uh, people in the ghetto would sell them to crackheads. Oh my God. Okay, so just so we're understanding. Uh, what you're saying here is they would actually spread them through the neighborhood with airplanes. Yes. Oh my God. Probably using like little Cessna 172 four seater, two seater airplanes or something like that small. I or, have no, I, I have no idea the size of the plane or anything. I just knew. You know, I'm sorry. I'm going into technicalities. <laughs> of it. That's where my mind goes. It's like, you know, oh wait, it's a big airplane. It's going to be too big up behind. It's going to fall. No. Yeah. Right, but oh my exactly. gosh. Like, I'm a kid. So 
so I know what I see, exactly what I see. I see the plane and I see the, they're sprinkling it all over that environment, you know? Wow. And they had different color heads. And thank you for pull, pulling up that video. That's awesome. Oh, but yeah. I just wanted to make sure everybody everybody understands like what the fuck we're, we're talking about right here because it's very hard for you know an average like uh suburban person to understand like uh how when you see this kind of shit around your neighborhood this is like something deep and dark man you, you know what i mean it's drugs it affects communities and uh this is something you don't see in suburban neighborhoods man so thank you for you know i'll just bring this what were you up. saying about the light fixtures um so the crackheads would well, okay, so now they needed money because they have no money and they need the crack because it's so good. I heard that the first hit is so good that your mind is explode, like it exposes yourself to reality. But you never get back that high. It's like a high that you can't catch again. And I don't like to go chasing after anything, so that's not for me. Sure. I mean, everybody. You don't look like you need to go chasing after anything. She's <laughs> every, very attractive. For those of you who just listen, this is a very attractive uh, African American lady here. So I'm sure she hasn't had to chase anything. And her name just so happens to be Lady. <laughs> Maybe you had to run some. I'm sure of that. But Jamaican American. Ah, okay. That's right. Uh, there you go. Right. I love it. I love it. And you know. At the end of the day, I think I, we just wanted to bring you on because honestly, first of all, aside from your story, I just think your st hand stylings are fucking amazing. I'm going to bring it up real quick because um, look at this. Look at this hand styling, man. Look how look how like nice and clean this, <laughs> this, is, this is right here. You know what I mean? And uh, I just thought, hey, man, like uh, we definitely want to, um, you know, embrace black female graffiti artists. You, you know what I mean? We want to embrace all of them. All graffiti artists oh, for sure getting back to what you were saying though um about uh, how they now they need to make money the the crack addicts because I'm, I'm very curious about this light fixtures thing okay so now they need to make money and there's um there's some copper in the wire fixtures in uh, the in the place that gives light you know yeah. around around the neighborhood so they would take out the wires and go sell the wires to get crack mm. But then they would leave these like pieces of colored wire mm. that left, were left behind. And I would take those pieces and make little bracelets and sell them to my schooling. That's awesome. Are you talking yeah, about that's like- That's very cool. I know exactly what she's talking about. She's basically, talking about this um, basically, right? All the, all the wiring has, yeah, there you go. It has covers on the wiring. And so you can't really sell the, the covering. So they just strip the wires down and so those coverings, which is what we're looking at right now, if you're uh, listening, uh, um, looking at some couple of different uh, copper wires uh, <clears throat> with conduits. You know what's over. crazy? So your colored conduits is basically what you were using, the colored conduits and the, uh, the crackhead vial caps to yeah, make would you make like, That's awesome. Would you make like God, I wish, like I, I wish all these others would have done that instead of use the, the drug. <laughs> I mean, it's a sad story, but I have to tell it, right? So yeah, I definitely. It with a smile, and I tell it openly, and I tell it honestly. Um, it's, there's nothing wrong with our, our our block was like the block to be on, you know. So we had a lot of resources in our our environment. We had dancing school. We had a candy store that was owned by black people. So this is the '80s in Queens, in Jamaica, Queens, um, and then. All of a sudden, 
a like healthcare store opened for the crackheads to be able to go to. Mm. <laughs> you understand? So yeah, wow. no, no, yeah. I get it. I get it. It's like how convenient, right? Yeah, it wasn't convenient for like the kids. Oh, of course. No, no. I mean, I mean, in a sarcastic way, basically. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? You, you know what I mean? Sarcasm is not easily read, so you have to be careful. Like, absolutely true. Yeah, you have yeah. to be careful because um, you know we're sometimes like you have to dumb it down so a five-year-old can understand it. Sometimes. Sure, sure. What I what I was saying is that it's strange how you know crack appeared in the neighborhoods, and all of a sudden, you know, a facility to handle treat treat this. Uh, you know, drug addiction appears as well, too. These are like devastating things for a community that used to have like black owned businesses like uh, dance, dance uh, schools and things like that. You know, it's devastating towards like a young artist and just seeing these kinds of uh, things happen. Dude, I'm still the, the whole airplane dropping the, the crack thing is still <laughs> messing you, with my you, head. Can you pull that story up? Because it's definitely online. Sure, sure, sure. Let yeah. me pull that story up. But, um, yeah, you know, um, yeah, when did you start spraying? When did you start using a spray can? I met this guy that was like a little weird, but he was kind of <laughs> look like you. His name was Ezra. And <laughs> you, are you talking about me or James? Uh, you, what's your name? Oh, okay. Teacher, 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 teacher. teacher. He kind of looked like teacher <laughs> and he was beautiful. And he was like, oh, your art is great. You should do graffiti. And I'm like, but graffiti is not art. Because that's what I was taught in art school. Oh, your art teacher in art school, boom, or in school, not very knowledgeable. Um, so that opened my whole arena up, and we went out one night and like tagged a building, and I never stopped since. Mm, but nice. Like, you got. I got a bug. question for you though. The first time you were spraying, and and you did your your cursive hand style, um. I'm, I'm sure you probably have wonderful handwriting and everything. And then when you started spraying with the can, it, sometimes people have good handwriting. It just it just flows automatically. You must have blown his mind a little bit with your hand style, right? Um, I, I don't know. He didn't really comment. Sometimes, you know, sometimes teacher the teacher becomes the student kind of. You know, you have to know that you're good. You can't get the <laughs> You know what I mean? The you approval. Always get the approval from the teacher because the teacher will like fuck you up for the rest of your life. I know a lot of You got that right. Oh I man, know. I tell you what, I can't tell you how many art teachers probably fucked up uh, you know, a lot of kids' lives by just saying one wrong thing. I know actually uh, a, a very good friend of mine, um, Jan Gonet, um, he's uh, I think he's in his lower 60s right now but when he was a kid he was like four or five years old he told me this story uh like 15 years ago um he said you know when i was about four or five years old i was in in class and they gave us these big pieces of paper to draw on and so instead of drawing one picture he drew he divided it up into four sections and drew a picture in each section and the teacher came by and said you did that wrong Mm. you know you, you've done this wrong and that's mm. all they said to him and so he thought oh well i'm not an artist mm. and this guy oh my god if he would have cultivated his artistic talents that he has he'd be as good as i am or or better or you know who knows what um so it just yeah i i uh, i try not to think too much about how many you know uh wonderful 
artistic and not even not that he would have gone off being an, an artist um, to make money and, and you know be an artist as a career, but just to have art as a therapeutic you know uh, medium to go to to you know to help the mind with or whatever, which is what I actually um, the first thing I gave him was um, I gave him some some sculpey some some modeling compound, and this dude um, sculpted a torso of of a man. And I was like, dude, holy cow. It was like really good. And so that's when he told me, you know, the story about what the teacher had said and everything. And I was like, oh my God, dude. And so then he got a little bit more into drawing and he was really good at it. And he was just like, man, I'm so glad that, you know, that I, that I did this. He took some drawing classes and saw how good he was going to be. But then once he realized, okay, I'm maybe not going to be as good enough to make a career out of this. Okay. I know that, but I still enjoy doing it. So, um, We've heard a lot of stories Once about... Once you started... I'm sorry, go ahead, James. No, I'm saying we just heard a lot of stories about, you know, teachers, like, actually, like, discouraging some art students sometimes, you know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, if you didn't make it yourself in your ideal as what you wanted to be as an artist, and you end up sitting in a high school classroom, middle school classroom, like, kind of like, you know, babysitting some kids, and you didn't achieve your artist <laughs> dreams, right? You know what I mean? A little bitter, maybe. Yeah, exactly, right? So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've definitely heard that story before, is, is all I was going to say. <laughs> so, do you remember your, your first the piece? That you... That you, the thing that you pulled up, Black Lives Matter, is actually the first time I tagged Black Lives Matter, and the last time I tagged Black Lives Matter. I only tagged Black Lives Matter once. Mm. Oh, tell us about that, then. Um, I don't agree with the Black Lives Matter movement because I was a part of the Occupy movement. Ah. And I know that movements can be um, targeted. It can be target practice for government authorities. It can be, um, you know, it looks like you're going in one direction and you end up somewhere else and then you end up in prison. You can pull yeah. up that story. I have like um, a lady goes to prison or something like that. I went to jail for Occupy Wall Street. Good on you. What an effort, man. Um, but, you know, they didn't listen to me. And I was wondering why they weren't listening to what I was saying. You know, like they didn't have ears for what I was saying. They weren't ready for what I had to bring to the table. Not the movement, but um, the judge. The judge said to me, I know you're guilty because your mother didn't come to see you. What? Jeez, what the f i mean what <laughs> yeah oh boy this is a judge someone appointed this motherfucker yeah um so, so tell us a little bit about you know because i also feel the same way too about occupy because i remember when occupy happened you know and it started just kind of like popping up all over the place and i always wonder like what kind of happened to it you, you know it kind of to me it just fizzled out a little bit what happened to it um there's stories of past wars, right? And you have to read about those wars in order to understand psychology of war. People don't want to be in the street telling governments what they need, right? It's not something that's nice, you know? Sure. Like, I don't want to tell you I need bread. You know yeah, what I mean? For sure, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What is stopping people from making their own bread? What's stopping the people? Like, it's... um. Lack of lack of resources, lack of thinking, lack of um, lack of good. Lack of resources and encouragement in the yeah. right way. Right. So lack of um, lack of opportunity. Right. Like 
if I didn't create my own opportunities, I would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's talk about a little bit about that because like you're in New York City. The pandemic definitely, I mean, well, you're in Brooklyn. The pandemic has definitely hit New York City in a very, very big way, right? And you're, and what I'm saying to you is I'm, I'm sure uh, a lot of artists, if they don't have kind of like some sort of foundation, they are fucked basically, right? You know, so how, has, how have you been able to deal with the pandemic and how has New York City changed uh, since the start of the pandemic? Um, let me finish my art school story so you sure, can- Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I went to art school and then my, uh, like a parent died in the family. So we lost the house and I still had to go to school and I had to go to work in order to get access, you know? Because mm. there was no money now that the parent had died. How old were you? you um, I was 17 when I went to school. Okay. Um, and I was the youngest person in school. So people like, was like, yo, what's going on, you know? Which, so, uh, which art school was it? Fashion Institute of Technology. Nice. Okay. Um, and I was going to become a fashion designer and get a fashion degree or whatever. Um, the first sewing class that I ever had, a teacher said to me, you're not good enough to be here. And you know that you're not good enough to be here. Yikes. And I'm going to make sure you know that you're not good enough to be here. Wow, but someone the, told her one, that one time, real, I'm sure. The real story, the real story <laughs> Oh my was, God, that's real, horrible. Yeah, but the real story was my $50 fur coat that I got from a thrift store was better than her $3,000 fur coat that she got from Lehman's. That's the real story. You're more, <laughs> you're more uh, resourceful, right? Yeah, I'm more resourceful and, you know, I'm only 17. So if you have to attack a 17-year-old on their way to their dream, something's wrong with you. Not Very something's wrong facts. with a 17 year old. Absolutely. Right? That's why and I'm saying someone probably told to, that lady that. Right. So then I was like, you know what? I don't need this class. <laughs> mm. I don't need this teacher in my environment. So I, I just dropped her class. Nice. You know, like Good. I don't need to be around insurrection and like harmful behavior by a teacher, another human being. But she did that in front of the whole class. Oh, oh I had teachers that make me, made me feel dumb in front of the whole class too. You know what I mean? It's like, and I remember I was in like eighth grade. I'm just saying, it's like, so sometimes I'm just like, man, your life is so miserable that you got to make a, a fucking kid like feel like shit in front of all his peers, you know? Like, they, but again, there's good teachers that are bad teachers. And, uh, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of bad apples too, but uh, can, please and, let- And that's okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I honor her, you know, the way she studied the, the, whatever system she studied, that's great. Like a lot of college educated people studied wrong under the wrong teacher. Like sociology yeah. is a big farce. Um, you know, I went to sociology and I'm 17, I'm 17 taking a sociology class. And the teacher says to me, well, you're Caribbean. So you must've gotten beat. And I looked at her and I'm like, <clears throat> Is that how you teach sociology? Like, is that Jeez. all you know? Is that all you know? So I just shut myself out because I needed that class. But then my class was now with the guy next to me. Like, we used to, like, talk about the teacher and what she was doing wrong, you know, and, like, invent our own class. 
and just study her instead of her studying us because she was a lower level Buddha. You know what I mean? If you're a teacher and you're teaching people that, you know, racism is okay in sociology, in fashion, like you're a little cuckoo, like something's <laughs> wrong up there. Um, and I don't want to learn from you, but I will school you on, on what you don't know. Right. Sure. She gave us both F's and I dropped nice. those classes. Like I dropped the F's because you're able nice. to do that. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I dropped my lowest grade. Nice. Wish I would have known that when I was in high school. <laughs> it didn't work that way when I was in high school. I got quite a few F's in college. I, didn't, I wasn't that smart to drop them. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Sir. No problem. So I had to be not only resourceful, I had to know that this is a mind game. You know, I'm here studying you guys and how you treat me. So I need a valuable education. So I have to choose my teachers correctly. Now, if you don't value me in the first day, I could drop the class and take another teacher. I have time to do that. I had to learn about myself really fast and like play the game as fast as I could and get all the right teachers. So I listened to the students that took the teachers that were good and I just put those down. Like I, I, I cheated, basically. You, know? <laughs> you well, were resourceful. My exactly. Best teacher was Professor Ishikawa. A lot of you guys know her in um, the Incredibles movie. She's personified as the designer and the. Oh, class. yes. Yeah. Wow. She oh is the best. The world. She was yeah. your teacher. Yeah. She's the world's best. Fashion, yeah. She's the world's best fashion design teacher in the world. Like, she's, she taught all the best. She taught everyone that went to like, WWD and the covers of WWD. She taught all the people that I was looking at that I wanted to be a fashion designer, why I needed to be a fashion designer. Um, yes, there like, she is. It's not her. That's not the, that's not the human, like, that's oh, the picture of her. But the human being is um, Anna Ishikawa. You could pull her up. Oh, okay. Anna Ishikawa. Sorry. There's a couple in me. Yeah. Anna Ishikawa. She's Japanese. Uh, she, taught at FIT for like forever, since the 70s. Mm. I'll bring it up, but yeah, okay. please continue. Um, so I walked into her class, like all excited and shit. I was like, yo, I got Ishikawa's class. Like her class fills up the first day. You cannot get her class. I got her class, I was so happy. And then I started painting and she walked around the room and she pulled my art and showed it to everyone. And she's like, look at this. Like, look at this, it's so good. It's so amazing. Like, oh my God, like, it's amazing. Do it again. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't know if this is She's her, rough. but I'm just wondering if, this, is this her? Is this your teacher? Is that her? That's her. Awesome, there we go. <laughs> I can just see her doing that. That's hilarious. Oh my God. What, okay, so what were you thinking at that point? How do these tears stop falling from my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> she made a great point. It was horrible the way she did it, but she made a great point. Go ahead. Because people get stuck in their goodness, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing is also, it's just like, uh, I think she taught you an actually important lesson too, because 
sometimes and teacher always reminds me of this too as an artist musician or whatever you're doing you accomplish something great and then you're like ah i'm done i did it you know what i mean i <laughs> i'm a professional now and then uh a lot of times you realize you know actually a true artist doesn't just make one piece they continue to produce for life you, you know what i mean so i think she taught you a valuable lesson by yeah that is wonderful but don't get attached to this one accomplishment and uh you know go go make some great art again right so that's really valuable so man, her, her main love. value to me was that exact lesson but like she showed us um leonardo pieta if you pull it up leonardo uh, is it leonardo the pieta you know Teach may be a little bit more uh, schooled on this. I'm not very schooled on fashion. <laughs> so she taught us like, okay, he started with a pieta, the, the two figures, like Mary holding Jesus and, you know, the angelicness of it. Um, I don't know if you could pull it up. Is it pieta by Michelangelo? Okay, Michelangelo. Sorry, sorry. So, okay. Okay. That, um... I'm to take the wrong note. No, 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 you're good. Okay, you're good. now I understand what she's saying. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're looking at uh, the uh, sculpture of uh, Mary uh, from the Bible holding uh, uh, Jesus' dead body, basically. Um, and this is, uh, okay, so go continue. He didn't just do one, is what hmm. I'm saying. Sure. Ah, okay, yeah, 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 he did many. He did thousands. <laughs> yeah. He was obsessed with this hmm. image. And on his death, like his death piece of this image, the Pieta becomes one. Mary and Jesus become one. Mm. So now I can like explain a little bit about my name. Like, like lady is about the feminine, really. But then the feminine and the masculine combine and become one, you know, like the stroke of flow. Um, all of us have the feminine and all of us have the masculine. So it's not just prestige to the lady, it's prestige to Millard, which is my father's name, who mm. passed away in the 80s, you know, um, and, you know, left this house to another person in the family and that person died. And then all the funding for my education died with that family member. Mm. because everybody was like okay it's my house now it's this whatever like so and you should have left it to the smart daughter i'm sorry about that that's okay sometimes you know your well of information is all you need mm, i like that man we got some quotes into that for in sure. a woman as <laughs> it goes now i guess right yeah so um so during covid i had to use some of my resources that i had yeah um, I, I helped develop and design a restaurant in lower Manhattan called Ting's. Mm, okay. Nice. Ting's. Ting's, yeah. Lower Manhattan. Let me see if I can. I was just, how do you spell that? T-I-N-G-S. Oh, Ting's. Yeah. <laughs> like, sounds like it might be Jamaican the way they say things. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, um, one of, uh, the people that has helped me, one of the, you know, my, my teachers, he helped me like when I had to problem solve, he's bought, you know, pictures before, um, things like that. So I, you know, I came to him during that time and then found the restaurant as like a place of communion, you know, that's actually him with the hat on, that's the owner. 
Nice, nice, nice. So you've been keeping busy basically during during uh, COVID, right? And yeah, so uh, working on some projects. I like yeah, that. but then you know those are my resources. I can't offer to everybody else. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, of I course can't, not. Yeah. I can't be like go get. You gotta be careful little. doing that. Um. You know, I got the hookup. You know, that wouldn't be nice for them. <laughs> Well, you know what, like I said, I think, I think one of the things we learned about you today, lady, is that you're definitely a very re resourceful and resilient artist, you know, and you learn, you can roll with the punches and, you know, even if there's uh, distractions or blocks in your uh, environment, you know, you've managed to uh, overcome them and be resourceful and make the best out of it, man. And I think that, you know, during COVID, uh, it's, I'm not surprised that you, you know, you, you have some opportunities too. Yeah, so the reason I only tagged Black Lives Matter once is because somebody decided that they want to help me. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they, they helped me with the car. They, um, they got, uh, you know, camera equipment for me. They, um, you know, they helped me to, like, do a big hit in Soho in, like, an hour. Wow. Mm. Right? And I just killed it in an hour. Like I posted, you know, the flyers and I like tagged that environment and like pasted Black Lives Matter just to keep it at that space from my, in my mind mm -hmm. that yes, I'm supportive of the idea, but the movement now has to have some principles behind it to encourage growth and um, to encourage the the values and principles that I learned in order to be resourceful on your own and not require help from people that don't want to help you, but that need your agency to help themselves. Mm. Now, Interesting. I, 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 now, let me ask you, what is Very your good. biggest critique of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement? I mean, connecting it to, you know, having been in the Occupy movement. I know you mentioned, like I said, they're kind of just using you as a resource, right? But like, what can they do to, um, I guess, be on more of the right direction, you know, do you have any critiques that you feel like, uh, um, you know, anybody? Listening? I think it's what she was just saying that, you know, they, they need to um, not just complain, but actually, you know, kind of take action and, and, and learn and, you know, instead of just sitting there complaining. So I'm, but I'm, I'm sorry, not, go ahead. Like, so thank you for both explaining what I think, but yeah. Uh, I like both ideas that you have, right? I think that both of them are valuable. I think, you know, you're, you're saying the right thing that they do need to take action. And then, you know, you're saying the right thing, um, James, by saying like, um, that you might think that I have some kind of opposition to the movement. I don't have any opposition to anything. Okay. My environment is really nice and peaceful. Like, if I can create a peaceful environment for myself, then I can create a peaceful environment for others. But if I can't create a peacefulness for myself, I devalue my resources to others. Mm, if, like that. If I, um, if I build relationships with people, they're like long-term relationships. They're people that know my beauty and they have seen my pain, you know? Sure. They have seen people take advantage of me or 
um, I have a, a case and scenario where I was going to do um, an event with Coca-Cola. Okay. And then one of my long-term friends, friend, okay, so a friend of a friend that thinks that they could, you know, I have to explain this in another way because it's not making sense. Take your time. Take your we're, time. We're yeah, we're good. We got, we got time. <clears throat> okay, so friendships are not just about power structure to me. If you're a true friend of me, you know how I eat. You know, I just shared that on this video that the way I eat is not how everybody else is eating. So don't count my money the same as you account every other artist. You know, it might not look like a wealth that I'm building, but if my environment is safe during COVID, then I have some resources that you should check on. Like I should have some resources that are good for everyone, actually. Okay. But it's my mind that's good, not my bank account. Hmm. Right? Like that. Yeah, definitely. It's my mind that says, okay, listen, we don't have anything and we need something. So we need to figure out how to get it. I didn't have any art supplies going to art school. And I realized some of the white kids were throwing them into the garbage at the end of the day. So I would just wait for the, um, the janitor to come and like sweep it all into a pile. And he would ask me, do you need anything? Right? And I would humbly pick them up because I waited all day for him to come. Like I waited. I didn't go around like collecting the supplies that they left. Right? I was waiting around to see if the janitor understood that these people don't understand. I can't afford that $7 pencil, but I need it. And I'm not gonna take it behind you because you're gonna say I stole it. Right? Yeah. But if it's on the floor and the janitor swept it up, now it's garbage. Right? Sure. And I could utilize that. I can I can use the that pencil and create something better than than that which was left. I have I like how careful you're being about that. That's very good. Yeah. I have a friend though that now uh uses my idea and now he takes um scraps of fabric that people leave in the garbage and makes hats out of them. Mm. And I'm like, no, I would never do that because materials have uh, knowledge of themselves, you know? So people mm. know why they threw it away. It could have been used as shit rags. It could have been used as like oil, like you don't know what these people were thinking with their like throwaway idea. I know what the um, the rich student was thinking. I don't need that fucking pencil. Like, and I'm thinking <laughs> I need that fucking pencil. So I'm hungry enough to wait for it. Hmm. Now, things that people throw away in the garbage, don't access them. You don't know the history of them. You know, sure. your, secret, your secret weapon is your vote information that you get from your experiences now if you don't have a lot of experiences with black women don't talk about how black women do what they do because you don't know sure you gotta check that it's a, it's a real check like you don't know principles of how we survive in our community you don't know how we checked on each other we know how we checked on each other you know we know how like i have a friend named ike 
and her uh, uncle is Mike. So they named them Mike and Ike because that's the candy. They did that on purpose to keep the community together, to build their family. That's Mike and Ike, okay? Mike is the, the leader of this, um, this house. Like, he took over as the father figure for these kids, right? And his best love affair was with his niece. He loved his niece so much. She could ask for anything and get it. But Ike had a lot of clothes and I had a lot, like I had a lack of like uh, female members in my family older than me. Mm -hmm. And so Ike would give me clothes and Mike would show me how to wear them. Like, you don't wear that like that. You wear like this young lady or never put that on again. <laughs> so just teaching you like, that was our resource. We used to play games with each other. We knew we played. We played on the whole block. It was safe for us. 116th Street, okay? And Southside Jamaica, Queens, there's some of us that still know the history, but we all still check on each other because we know what we have to deal with. Definitely. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I mean, yeah. you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, every single culture, they have a unique struggle. And, um, yeah, you know, it would be silly to assume that we uh, can understand the experience without walking in somebody's shoes. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, but um, let's get to let's get to uh, uh, I, what I want to talk about is some of your art, man, because uh, there's some of your stuff is just so cool. And it just caught my eye. And that's why, you know, I'm such a fan of your stylings. And I just wanted to bring you on the show to Tell us a little bit about your story. Of course, we heard a little bit about that, but also just kind of like some of your inspiration. So I'm going to bring up just a few pieces from your uh, from your website real quick, okay? Um, let me just see here one second. The website wouldn't have the pieces on it. You could you oh, I see some prints. <clears throat> I see some, okay, I see, that's fine. Yeah, I yeah. see some prints right here, and I just kind of wanted to uh, showcase one of the – one of the ones I especially love is this – Farmer frame poster uh, lady one. I love how you use the uh, aerosol as a texture for the hair. You, you know what I mean? So, um, what, what all different mediums did you use on this piece, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so, I collect like little pieces of paper or I collect. Mm. Um, let me, can I just bring it up? Can I? Yeah. What do you want me, what do you, what do you want me to do? No, uh, oh, okay. I just need a minute. Hold on. Sure. No problem. I'm so happy we got in touch with Lady, man. It's been a real uh, interesting story. And uh, especially people on the West Coast, uh, you know, we love to hear a little bit about our East Coast people and uh, artists and kind of see what lives they're going through. So, uh, all right, Lady, what do you have for us? Oh, wow. Nice. <clears throat> nice. I like that. Let's put a... Um... Tell us about that, please. Peace, please. Um, it has no eyes. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that she has no face. It means that it's like, or she has no vision. It's like um, she's looking into her consciousness mind. It's like when your eyes roll back into your head, basically. Yeah. <laughs> is that uh, what was that acrylic that you uh, the medium? Yeah, I usually I usually use um, golden paint. I think okay, they're the yeah. best quality. 
Yeah, those, those are nice, uh, nice quality. They're a bit expensive too. Now, so now I get um, people that buy me paint. Nice, nice. Yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> um, or like making things like this. Oh, interesting. It's kind of like an abstract. Tell us about that, please. So um, I build my own abstract background and then I collect them for later images. Mm. So that I'm not always paying, I'm giving also, you know. Um, and that leads me to my my street art, like, I'm like I'm so happy, like I'm so um, So I started putting like these women faces all over Soho one year. I think it was like 2013, and people started commenting immediately after, like they were like who is this though? Like, cause they didn't know or recognize me. I, I used to live in California. I used to live in San Francisco and nice. like, they didn't recognize the, the, the artist or anything. So they started doing the geotagging on their own. Like, who is this artist? Um, who, who Did you do this? any artwork when you were in San Francisco? Oh yeah. Nice. I was well, how did you end up in San Francisco? Wait a second. I took a yeah. What's that? I, just, I, just, I just decided to go. Flight. <laughs> Come on. How long okay. were you in San Francisco? Um, four years. How did you end up in San Francisco? I saw Jeremy, Jeremy Fish's piece on a magazine. Oh, nice. Big fan. I'm a big fan of Jeremy Fish. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I have a history with him now. We talk uh, via emails and stuff. And he gives me like advice. Wow. So he's the he's the oh, first gee. person that like recognized me as like, oh okay, she's talented. Okay, like yeah. I'm gonna help her out. Like, so I was like, you're gonna help me out. You're Jeremy Fish, though. <laughs> I'm like, I'm you're my superhero. You're the reason I came to San Francisco. Like, he like he has no clue. Um, but it was you know it was like love at first sight of your artwork like whoever is doing this amount of work to get that line to look like that mm -hmm. that quality i need to meet that person you know that's smart that's the Thanks. way to do it and he he looks so like a I real a trip and then is I he a really nice guy i assume four he years. I mean, from the story that you're telling me, I mean, he, you know, it's, it's, he, he looks so, such like an interesting character. He has like tats all over his arms. I don't you know. know I mean? You know, she's, she's kind of pretty. He may not be that nice. He just may be a little <laughs> selfish is what I'm thinking. Um, I just brought up a picture real quick, just for the, the, the viewing audience. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to check out the video, just go to youtube.com slash gallery. And uh, you can check out the video here of this uh, podcast, but anyways, please continue. Yeah. So you met Jeremy Fish, and uh, he was he was cool to you, right? <laughs> yeah, I was actually working for Underwood, uh, like what's that called, Upper Playground. Oh, nice, nice, wow! But I was working as an intern, <clears throat> so I can gain access to like taking down like the work or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll do this for free. Like, I just want to see the work. I want to see the value. I want to see who did this. I want to meet the artist. I'm behind the scenes. Like, I just did it because i want to be you know i didn't do it for the money that's smart nice. i tell you hey. i went to an art school i got a bachelor's degree of fine arts and everything but i learned most about uh my techniques and everything once i got out of art school 
and I would see someone that I liked their work and I would study it and learn how they did it. Yeah. Very smart. So you got to get closer to the flame, you know, if you want to get warm, you got to get closer to the flame. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, but I noticed like all the artists liked my work, but then if I asked the gallery for a show, they would be like, Oh, maybe next year or, um, so I was like, okay, so I wasn't getting what I wanted, but I was getting, you know, I was getting the teaching, but I wasn't getting the show. I wasn't getting, you know, the clout. I wasn't getting the appreciation or the love or whatever. Mm. And then I just have to be a little bit more resourceful and just save my money and build my own shows. Yeah, yeah there you go. <clears throat> I mean, you, you know, that, that's, I feel like it's such a common story. We kind of listen, listen on this podcast. Like at the end of the day, you know, you should never wait for somebody to give you an opportunity. You know, it's just like, create the opportunity yourself and then people will kind of just jump on the ship. I'm telling you, this podcast is basically is a, uh, <laughs> is an example of it basically too. But, uh, and especially nowadays because it's a lot different now with social media and art galleries, you know, and especially if you're going to be doing, you know, outside work, you're doing your own advertising. You know, yeah. this is something that, that the art galleries, that's why they would take 50% of what you make um, is because they would help. They would, take their client list and say, Hey, look, here's an artist, you know, buy some of his work, but that doesn't hardly exist anymore. There's very few galleries that have a client list that's going to buy the artwork that they tell them to buy. Maybe some of these like Blum and Poe or something like that. They're selling millions of dollars of work or whatever. But you know, these days you got to be inventive. You got to be resourceful and you know, you got to do like what you're doing and talking about. You got to make your um, own fire. Yeah. So I started, tagging things that would raise the value of them in the uh, public arena. Mm. So I tagged the old couch, I tagged, so somebody now, instead of it being garbage, you know, it's more valuable and somebody could put it in a museum. And that's what started happening. Um, wow. I, was, I got contacted by a museum that said they started collecting my pieces. Um, that's MoMA. Nice. And they're like, collecting them off the street from the tagging and like storing them basically for later. Wow. Awesome. So this is, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to put in. Um, but I'm ready for the experience. I'm ready for like the, the career shift. I'm ready to make that billion dollar deal with Coca-Cola now. So I'll <laughs> try to explain that story. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, not everybody can look at you and be your friend. Hmm. Go. And, what do you mean by that? You know, you're, are you, you're Chinese descent? Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how we say so it. Yeah. I learned Shishia by, uh, having a Chinese friend who taught me about the food and the culture and nice. like taking me around to eat with her and like, showing me how she eats. She yeah. spent like, like $3 a day to eat. <laughs> and it's really delicious food. Yeah. Get some but dim she can't sum, let maybe. everybody else know that. <laughs> Why not? Because then she'd be online waiting for the food. 
I mean, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that's one way to look at it. You never want to tell people your favorite restaurants because it's your secret spot, right? Then it's going to be like a long ass line. That's a very New York thing, I feel like. <laughs> because the spaces are so small, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But uh, yeah, okay. So your friend taught you uh, shared culture with you through food, right? And then... Uh, um, and an experience. So yeah. she's a longtime friend now. We've been friends for about six years. Her name is Shana Yang, and she's an artist as well. Awesome. We'd love to have her on the podcast maybe one day too. You know what I mean? Awesome. I think personally, um, you know, I think one of the most wonderful ways to share culture is through food. And I love me some Jamaican food too, actually. You know, some jerk chicken. So mm -mm. I've met, uh, <laughs> I met the person that I'm talking about at the Jamaican restaurant owned by Sean John. And uh, the person didn't look at me and say I was beautiful or anything. Like didn't see me. You know what I mean? You could tell, mm -hmm. you could tell by the interaction. Like, even though that's my friend's friend, it's not my friend and it's actually not a safe zone for me. I mm. could tell by the first interaction. I see, I see. Okay. Very yeah. guarded person, which is fine. It's okay, but then she ended up on a project with me for Coca-Cola and she sabotaged the project on purpose. Mm. And that was like a $500,000 project. I see. So lady and Coca-Cola go well together. I don't know why would you be so jealous? <laughs> I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like enjoy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Coca-Cola. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's, it's funny that you say that because now that I'm taking a look and you're right. Your hand styling like a really nice, just like the Coca-Cola logo too. So they would be a great fit, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, hell um, yeah. I'll pitch that proposal again to Coca-Cola, but I won't include her on the pitch. Oh, I wouldn't either. If Good she sabotaged idea. You. you know what I mean? Like true friends are definitely hard to come by. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, <clears throat> especially like, you know, there's a famine mentality sometimes amongst artists, you know, like there's not enough opportunity for people. So, uh, you know, people get jealous and people feel a certain way when other people start succeeding. But people don't really understand that when your peers succeed, actually, that helps you succeed, too, because anytime an artist succeeds, all artists, you know, succeed a little bit. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, so I just kept pitching my own proposals and like pitching this pitch i did it on my own and then i would like feed artists too like i did a huge mural for uh the flat iron school mm. and i included artists that weren't able to eat that day that week nice I see. nice nice i love that you give back to the community but it's I, really awesome you know, but i'm the only one that really knows the backstory you know what i mean like i well, asked one artist to help help out and he was like no nah, i have to do all these paintings and i really have to get this work done but the day of the shoot or the day of the, the, the oh you gotta love those he was like yeah. yo can i come down is this still a spot for me i was like yeah definitely. yeah the coattail riders <laughs> <laughs> right you know you know well, I mean? once they see what it is then they're like well oh shit yeah <laughs> let me get some of that well, like I said, I think I think what what we've learned to, about to, to, about you today, lady, is that you know you're resourceful, you're consistent, and uh, you know you keep putting yourself out there. And uh, people who do that continue to get more and more opportunities. So I mean, it, it's yeah. it's really awesome just to stay to positive, stay persistent, and uh, because here's the truth of the matter: 
all these clients out there, all these big money clients and everything, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about any of your struggles. They don't give a shit about any of this other stuff, okay? If they see something they like, they'll take it. That's it. That's what it comes down to. So I, I suffered from taking a lot of things personal myself, you know, and being, and then thinking, oh man, I'm just, I'm not good enough for, for this or for that or whatever. Just come oh, down to taste. Not, that's not what I said. That's not what I said though. I'm not, I'm not struggling. I'm not talking that. about you. I'm talking about me, what I did. You were completely <laughs> so, different than I am. <laughs> so I'll help you with that. You become one of my students. <laughs> teacher. Hey, as a teacher, I like that. <laughs> I'm always willing to learn. So, um, I have I have twelve students now, like actually fourteen students now. Wow. Okay. I, you got two uh, teachers here. Agency too that I teach. Um, that I teach willpower to that I like I teach all the mystery school things that they can't really understand in a way that they can understand through the art. Awesome. Know? It's relatable. It's it's equitable. Um, it's reliable and. If you plug yourself into this like community, you can build something really like consistent, and it'll help you on your uh, on your journey. You know, I love it that. Helps, it'll help love them. That. It also helps them like access. So they have agency already. Like, if you ever seen a person with nothing create something so that they can make enough to send home or make enough to eat tonight or whatever it is like those kids on the subway they're creating agency from themselves you know sure. um there's a group uh of kids that i know that were a part of my under one roof project and i met their father on the train and he's like teaching his boys how to be like equitable in their environment you know and uh I just was like inspired by them and I asked them to join the under one roof thing and like have them dance at the event. And they did all that. I didn't ask that they could dance. I just invited them to the party. Basically. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So all of that led to um, me not having enough to serve. You know what I mean? Like I was willing, I was able, I had the, I had the house to do it. I had a, now, now I regained the house. So I lost the house to begin with in the beginning of the story and in Southside. But then um, some uncles came together and like gained access to resources and helped me to get a house in the Bronx. Nice. But it was, it was very unfinished and I had to do all the work on my own and I wasn't like able to build a house. I mean, I know art, but I'm not like a, like, you know, I can't do plumbing. Contractor. <laughs> yeah, Slightly different. Yeah. Like, I, can't, I can't fix that toilet, but I hope somebody will help me. Um, I bet you could fix that toilet. If I, <laughs> seeing what you've been able to do and how resourceful you can be and everything, I, I bet you could figure it out. But go you ahead, please. You have to know your boundaries, you know? Some things you want to do and you think you're good at it, but... There you go. There is the key. Want. You didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> So please no, go no, ahead. No, no, like you, you know that you might be good at it. You know that you know, but it needs to be done in an hour. And the plumber is like seventy dollars away. Call the plumber. You know, like stop acting like you can fix the toilet because, at you know, know your strengths basically, after, like you said. So, 
Well, I can't. But that that's hour and it's not done. You got to call the plumber. And now he's five hundred dollars to fix the same toilet because you fucked it up. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, lady, you know what? It's been it's been a pleasure talking to you today, and it's been so awesome. And I I want to basically direct the audience to um your social media and also your website so can you tell us uh your instagram name um so the audience can look it up basically so it's at lady.millard and uh the project What's your website I, the projects that i'm working on are under one roof.com undr1 the number one roof.com um that has a whole bunch of like you know items that you can buy to help people access resources nice. um, and then, um, you know, because who wants to like sell like product and that nobody wants or, you know, like, I don't always want to sell my t-shirt with a lady on it. That's not my goal. Um, my goal though is to give access where access is denied, help people grow themselves on their own, um, and then build legacy behind that. So the next project that I'm doing, I'm launching in April 17th. It's the Under One Roof Project um, Flatbush area. Um, there's a lot of empty, dilapidated houses that people just neglected because, you know, something happened. Like there's some trauma there. There's some abuse there, you know. Um, the neglect, though, shifts into the whole atmosphere. It's not just one house now. It's a place where people can hide their crack or the, you know, there's a place that people can hide uh, missing children. It's a place where people can hide a lot of things because people are not paying attention. Um, so we're going to be geotagging um, these houses and like creating a game around it. Mm, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And where can they fall? And basically on your social media, uh, Instagram is where you're going to be putting this information if the, uh, you know, Brooklyn artists, they want to help out. Um, if the Brooklyn artists want to help out, they can go to the, um, they can go to the GoFundMe that's already set up for Under One Roof. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go fun. And you know what? We know, um, Up Magazine, uh, they're right out in, uh, Bushwick, basically right in Brooklyn, you know, they're a street art magazine. I'd love to put you in touch with them to kind of work together because uh, at the end of the day, this is all one community and, uh, you know, um, street art, uh, public art and this podcast. And, you know, I think we all kind of like believe in the same things that, uh, in terms of beautifying and, uh, helping out the community. So, um, definitely I'll put you in touch with TK over there at, uh, up magazine. Thank you for telling me that I'm beautiful. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> thank you for telling me that I'm beautiful. I'm just stating the obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate it. It's, um, it's been a long, long journey. but And I don't mean that just from the looks, okay? I looked at your Instagram, um, and that's where a lot of that comes from. And uh, the visual, you know, you're pretty also, but, uh, you know, I'd say you're, you're, you're the spirit. equal parts uh, beautiful and pretty. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Well, lady, it's been such a pleasure today. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, thank, yeah, and you know, like I said, when we're in New York, uh, um, you know, sometime after this whole thing clears up, if we can finally travel again and safely, uh, we'd love to meet up with you and uh, get to know you a little bit better in person too, all right? Yeah, when is the video gonna post? You know? um, it'll probably post tomorrow. Okay, great. 
Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right so we'll tag you and then uh, just put it up on your social Thank media. Thank you right? so much for joining Thank us. You so much, lady. And we'll talk soon. All right. All right Take well, care. To the audience, love you guys. Take care and peace.